ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Matilda Bosley realised she had ADHD after watching videos on TikTok. If you feel inclined to roll your eyes, she knows how that sounds. It used to be a story that I was really embarrassed to tell. I'd be, like, very sheepish about it. What changed? Why Why are you not embarrassed now? Because uh, that's everyone's story now. <laughs> and now it is the story of how a lot of adult women and a lot of adult men as well find out they have ADHD, uh, which is that I was on TikTok. This is All in the Mind. I'm Sana Kadar. And it's true, the number of people being diagnosed with ADHD is rising. Take, for example, the four-year period between 2018 and 2022. So in 2018, just over 186,000 patients were treated for the condition. By 2022, that number had risen to nearly 414,000. And there has been plenty of hand-wringing about this. Like, is this a troubling trend? An issue of overdiagnosis, fueled in part by social media? Or is it a promising correction, a sign of just how underdiagnosed ADHD has been, especially in people who don't fit the stereotype of a fidgety boy? That discussion continues in the background, but for people like Matilda, who get a diagnosis in adulthood after a lifetime of feeling deficient, the news is like a revelation. And I just sort of burst out into tears crying very deeply and he was sort of saying oh yeah you know no it can be hard to get this news and I was sort of like wiping the snot like actively from my nose being like no no no, this is like the best news I've ever heard and it's such a relief and I was so terrified that yeah I was going to go in and the answer was going to be like no sorry you are just hopeless and you know I like to believe in sort of retrospect that I would have been able regardless of the diagnosis would have been able to find a way to find self-forgiveness Anyway, um, this ended up being the path for me, but it was just this brilliant sort of blessing. Today, the life-changing impact of an adult ADHD diagnosis and the year Matilda met her brain. Uh, So I'm Matilda Bosley. I'm a social media reporter and presenter at The Guardian Australia, and I also wrote The Year I Met My Brain, a travel companion for adults who just found out they have ADHD, if if we need the full legal title. (laughs) Um, So before you got your diagnosis two years ago at the age of 23, if you would have been asked to describe yourself back then, I was wondering how you would have done that. How would you have described yourself before you knew what was going on? I think I always thought of myself as, you know, like a a loud person, (laughs) which I think looking back was sort of a slightly meaner way of saying kind of outgoing and sort of confident. But, you know, back then I think I had a lot of shame about that in terms of just sort of being like very talkative and unable to shut up a lot of the time. (laughs) But also I was always kind of darting around and had lots of ideas and had lots of big projects. And I I very much thought of myself as someone who was very good at starting things, but not so much uh, at finishing, like a competent person that just couldn't quite seem to make things work. If you're wondering what that would look like in her day-to-day life, take the example of one afternoon a couple of years ago. Matilda was working from home, and after finishing her workday, she had a bit of time to kill before one final, really important meeting. So I set, like, a little alarm on my phone for it, and then 
I'm like, okay, well, I better clean the windowsills because why not? I see it there. <laughs> I put on, you know, a little bit of uh, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City in the background, um, a classic, a good choice, I think. <laughs> um, I go to clean the windowsills, immediately knock this pot off the windowsill. The pot is a little zebra and it shatters. Which felt like a sort of dare from the universe for something that I could probably fix. So then I suddenly find myself, I've got the super glue out and trying to glue them all together. But at a certain point, I realised like, oh, this leg, it's too shattered anyway. She reckons what she needs is clay to fix it. And she has that somewhere. Because I went through a phase of trying to make polymer clay earrings. which Meanwhile, a little alarm goes off on her phone. She quickly mutes it. So I have this air dry clay. I know I've got it. I go under my bed. I'm trying to get it out. Oh my god, it's totally dehydrated. Gotta hydrate it up. I'm in the kitchen now, tearing the little bits of clay to a giant beer stein. I'm hydrating it. There's terracotta slurry everywhere. Finally, like crafting it and fixing it. In the middle of this, I glued my fingers together. I think that's an important thing to note. (laughs) And then I realize I hear next time on the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, and I realize that's not the first time I've heard it, and that we're actually two episodes in, Mm. and actually that alarm that went off earlier was most definitely the alarm for this phone call. And Tilda starts to panic. I run, she I see, runs to check her uh, messages. Uh, and they're sort of saying, hey, just sitting here on Zoom, like, whereabouts are you? 45 minutes ago. She is mortified. She emails back, apologising profusely. So sorry and call me any time. And then I'm just breaking down because it's like I don't, I, I like I don't want to be a person that's like inconsiderate of other people's time and you know unreliable and it feels like ADHD makes me that person a lot more than I would like. Before Matilda knew her ADHD was to blame for a lot of this, she just assumed she was a bad person and she was really hard on herself. Yeah, no, I was so hard on myself, like horrifically. So when the pandemic hit and Melbourne was in lockdown and she was spending more and more time on TikTok, you can understand why the videos she was seeing about ADHD were a revelation. Videos would pop up and it was sort of saying, oh, symptoms you might not know uh, of ADHD in women or, you know, ADHD in adults. And, you know, at first I was like, oh, adults can have it. Hmm. And it's kind of hard without sounding corny, but I'm just going to have to sound corny. (laughs) Do it. I felt so deeply seen that it made me realise how lonely I had been. Like, I didn't realise that someone could, like, describe me so well. The videos she was seeing touched on everything from hyperactivity... Describing it as that inner restlessness, that was a massive thing. ..to the kind of experiences people with ADHD might have. Things that, you know, aren't, like, necessarily diagnostic symptoms, but just experiences like, oh, you've bought a diary and you ma- you've only managed to write in it for two days and no matter how hard you try, and but you also can't remember all your appointments and you're trying to keep everything in your mind and then it keeps, like, falling off the tracks and it feels like there's a hundred different TVs on different channels in your brain all the time and... You know, even things like, oh, you're constantly walking into rooms and not remembering while you're there, which is difficult because, like, when you talk about ADHD symptoms, they are all things that all humans experience. They're they're normal human experiences, but it's about the intensity and the frequency in which you experience them. So, yeah, it's not necessarily, like, an ADHD symptom to walk into a room and not remember why you were there. It might be if you're doing that. 10, 15 times a day, you know, uh, and that's in a very unprofessional, non-diagnostic way <laughs> I say that. So with the videos you were seeing and the stuff yeah. that was sort of speaking to you and suggesting to you for the first time that perhaps ADHD is what's going on, were you were you seeing some slightly 
bonkers takes on signs about ADHD as well. Because, like, you know, there's plenty of shonky advice out yeah, there as well. Yes, and this is what I was tiptoeing around, which is it's difficult when I when people ask, like, what are the symptoms you saw that made you realise? Because some of the symptoms I saw it turns out not to be particularly scientific. Which kinds of things do you remember? Um, yes, <laughs> yes, very specifically. So one of the things that was really hit home with me was rejection-sensitive dysphoria or rejection-sensitivity dysphoria, one of the two, who knows, um, which was this idea that ADHD people have an, an acute and uniquely negative reaction to real or perceived rejection. It's not on the DSM-5. Mm-hmm. It's not even really been studied. It came from one article by a man called um, William Dodson from memory, and there wasn't necessarily proof provided that ADHD people feel this unique pain associated with rejection. It was just sort of his observations. Mm. That being said, I don't know, it feels like ADHD people a lot of the time feel rejection extremely deeply. So I I think once I realised, oh, it's not been studied, it's not real, I I was quite like, I was quite negative towards it and I was going to, oh, I'm going to tear it apart. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, well, no, that was one of the things that helped me get to the psychiatrist chair, you know? That was one of the things that helped me recognise it and it clearly is something that a lot of people feel. I wanted to ask a psychiatrist about this, whether there was anything to this experience of rejection sensitivity dysphoria. So I spoke to Dr. David Coghill. I'm a professor of child and youth mental health at the University of Melbourne. He's also the president of the Australian ADHD Professionals Association. There is some sense in the construct or the concept that's that's there. People with ADHD, when they're younger, particularly if they don't get diagnosed, hear no a lot. Mm. You know, the, a lot of negative feedback comes to people with ADHD. And just like it would if I continually fed back negatively to you, that's upsetting. That's hurtful. Mm. That makes you more sensitive. Um I don't tend to think of rejection sensitivity dysphoria as a diagnosis or a condition, but it does describe a really very understandable state of mind. But it's not just people with ADHD, people who have been subjected to a wide range of traumas will feel the same. But it's something, it's a feeling, it's an experience that's very common Mm. to people with ADHD because they hear no a lot. They hear stop it. They hear bad. Growing up and facing all these symptoms but not necessarily having any sort of answer to what they're about, I just thought I was kind of worse than other people. I just thought I was kind of hopeless. Oh, I can't remember to text people on their birthdays and I can't clean up after myself and I can't get this done and I can't remember to uh, help clear the table when dinner's done. And like the people around me, whether, you know, regardless of how amazing their attentions are, you know, my parents are the most like loving, generous people, but still like they didn't realise I wasn't doing it on purpose. So of course it's like kind of annoying if you're, you know, kids not sort of thinking of others. So these were the kinds of experiences Matilda was thinking about in a new light as she was watching these TikTok videos. And it wasn't just past experiences that were weighing on her. She was at a point in her life where she was struggling more than usual because she had just moved out of home for the first time. 
you know, had finished university a, a sort of the year prior. So I didn't have this structure. I didn't have like my week to week. I was having to make a dinner every single night for myself and remember my own washing and all of this stuff and everything had started falling apart. You know, I was crying over having missed so many doctor's appointments that they put me on a list of people who weren't allowed to book appointments in advance. I could only book it on the day if they had a spare spot, which like in retrospect, if you have to put someone on the list, might be a clue to (laughs) think about ADHD. Um, But You know, and I remember just feeling like such a failure because of that. Matilda eventually made it to her GP and got a referral for a psychiatrist, who in turn diagnosed her with ADHD combined. And so what does that mean? Well, this would be a good spot to explain the three presentations of ADHD. So there's ADHD hyperactive impulsive, which is probably the closest to the stereotype of ADHD that people think of, like the kid who's really bouncy and can't sit still and running around and doing everything. Then you have uh, ADHD inattentive. Which can present as difficulties with organisation, being forgetful, difficulties with planning, as well as difficulties maintaining your focus over a length of time. And then there's ADHD combined. Which is actually the most common form. You have combined type ADHD. Which is both of them put together, which is what I have. And it's a lot. So ADHD is a neurodevelopmental disorder. Meaning that it arises because of differences in the way that the brain develops. And Dr. Coghill says it's common. In children and young people, we're talking between 5 and 7%. In adults, around 2.5% of adults in the population will have ADHD. Does that mean a certain portion of kids will grow out of their ADHD? Yeah, some do. And actually, exactly what proportion grow out is quite a difficult question because you may learn to manage your symptoms of ADHD. They may still be present, but you're able to manage them better as you get older. And then you wouldn't technically meet the criteria for ADHD, but you might actually still be quite impaired. Uh, But some people will grow out of it completely. But actually, for most people, they'll continue to have some difficulties throughout their life. This was the case for Matilda. And if it wasn't for TikTok, she might never have known it. And so it's been a real grappling of how to feel about a lot of the TikTok stuff because there is also just a lot of really shonky stuff. Like like I said, you know, if you don't have that explanation of ADHD symptoms are normal human symptoms is about the intensity and the frequency. If you don't put that at the start and you just make a video being like, symptoms you might have, signs you might have ADHD, walk into a room, forget why you were there, constantly lose things, have trouble focusing. Like, okay, that sounds a lot like someone who's just had four hours sleep, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, and there's a lot of fear of, oh, everyone's saying you know, it might make everyone think they have ADHD or everyone's going to self-diagnose. And I have some, I have a lot of issues with that, which is that, okay, yeah, but we've got a system that because of structural and ingrained biases means that a huge amount of people have fallen through the cracks. If Mm. they're not going to self-diagnose in adulthood, they're never going to get real diagnosed because Mm -hmm. no one, no one was going to tap me on the shoulder and say I had ADHD if I didn't form the hypothesis myself. And the step after self-diagnosis is often real diagnosis. Um, but that being said, you know, I do I do sometimes worry about 
I guess, the cheapening of the experience. Like we see so much when people have a misunderstanding of OCD and say, oh, I'm so OCD, I need to keep my room clean. Right. And that does invalidate the f- experiences of people who really are struggling every day with that. And it's not just about having a clean room. Um, so obviously there's concerns there. I, I, I guess I sort of come out on the side of TikTok for all its many, 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 many flaws is probably still doing more good than harm when it comes to the world of ADHD. But I don't know, it's on thin ice. <laughs> I, 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 I maintain my ability to take it back if it sure. gets too weird. I asked Dr Coghill what he thought about TikTok and its role in driving awareness about ADHD. Do you have any concerns? There's talk about, you know, TikTok making ADHD kind of a trendy thing or a fad. So not only that people may be self-diagnosing, but actually then more people are seeking diagnosis. Well, to be honest, I actually see that as a good thing. I think it's good that people are identifying this might be a problem because for um, many years we were really under-recognising ADHD. I think for children in Australia now, we're getting towards a time where we're we're identifying most people. For adults, we've still got a long way to go. So I think it's a good thing that people are uh, able to say, do I have ADHD? I think it then only becomes a problem if they're not able to access or not offered good quality evidence-based assessments and then treatment. It's not a problem for me if somebody comes to me for an assessment and they don't have ADHD, as long as I recognize and I'm able to tell them, thanks for coming, but this isn't ADHD. But it would be a problem if we weren't clear enough and and strong enough in our assessments Mm. to be able to make sure that we can pick out who does and who doesn't and not misdiagnose people. How do people respond when they're told it's not ADHD? Um, some people are upset. I mean, they, they've, you know, thought that this is what I have. But I think the one of the skills of being a, a clinician is that you have to be able to manage telling people both information that they want to hear and mm. sometimes that they don't want to hear. It's not easy and it's not nice because, you know, people come for a reason. Most people don't come you know, just because they want to receive a label. Right. Very often, most often, if it's not ADHD, there are other things that that require uh, help and, and, and assistance. So it's not usual just to be saying to someone, no, you don't have ADHD, you don't have anything. Before you had your appointment, were you thinking at all about how you would have reacted if your doctor had said, actually, no, you don't quite meet the diagnostic criteria for ADHD. Yeah, I was. And I was terrified because there was this element of it felt like, oh, here's finally the path forward to forgiving myself and to having an explanation. And I assume if I didn't have it, I would have felt that way a bit less. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, I, I do sometimes wonder, like I'm, there is a part of me that's sort of glad I went 
through it when I was 23 rather than 15. Oh, yeah? Why? Um, not in any actual way. Like, I desperately wish I was as young as I could have been when I got right. my diagnosis, but specifically in the sense of whether I would have been able to accept that no. I think being 23, I was a lot more equipped to do that. Mm. Dr. Coggill says an important point to consider in this whole conversation about social media and increasing rates of ADHD is that while rates of diagnosis are up, the prevalence rate for ADHD remains stable. A good friend and colleague of mine, Guilherme Palanchik from Brazil, did a really nice study or a look at the literature about how common is ADHD. And one of the things he did is to look to see whether the rates of ADHD that are picked up in what we call epidemiological studies, in studies that look at the whole community. They don't just look at who's diagnosed, but they go out to the community and they assess people for a range of difficulties, in this case ADHD, and they look at the prevalence, how common is it, not how often is it diagnosed, but actually how common is it. And what Guillaume found was that the prevalence of ADHD, how common it is, isn't changing Mm. over time. What's changing is our recognition and our how often we're picking it up. And I think that's a very important point because what we need to do is we need to look at the current rates of picking up ADHD and compare them to how common ADHD is in the community. And that's really where I was saying that for children, we're actually starting to pick up ADHD at about that rate. Mm. But for adults, we're still only picking up about one in five adults with ADHD are currently getting a diagnosis in Australia. You would think Matilda's diagnosis at the age of 23 would bring a lot of newfound clarity. And it did, but it also brought newfound confusion. He said, oh, try and read up on the condition and his medication. And we talked about how to take the medication. And then kind of for the first year, I, I really was trying to read up on it. But, you know, you sort of have somewhat dubious TikToks, articles clearly written for parents of seven-year-old hyperactive boys, and the densest academic articles you've ever read in your entire life that I burst out into tears even trying to get through at first. Um, And so it was really difficult and I sort of just stumbled through kind of assuming that like, okay, I've got this diagnosis, like now I will fix my ADHD and here's the path forward. And that just didn't end up being the case. And I now know isn't really the goal anyway. (laughs) Um, But eventually after a year, I was sort of like, okay, yeah, enough's enough. I'm going to buckle down and actually figure out what's going on. Um, And that's kind of what the book ended up being. One of the things that confused her as she was reading up about ADHD was the writing around how ADHD tends to present in girls versus boys. So we know that girls do slightly tend towards the inattentive presentation more than boys. Not ridiculously. I think a lot of the time people just use that as the explanation of, oh, girls end up having inattentive ADHD or this is what, like, the girl ADHD looks like, which annoyed me when I, and part of, honestly, part of the reason I wanted to write the book, which is that I saw this explanation and I was like, no, I was loud and I was a bit disruptive and, and I was still missed. There has to be other stuff going on here as well. And people with inattentive ADHD of all genders 
are much less likely to be diagnosed because mm. they're not causing a problem for others. They're just causing right. a problem for themselves, right? Mm. And the way that we kind of, the way we, in you know, first defined ADHD and the way that we really think about it is through the lens of classroom disruption. Yeah. But even regardless of presentation, we do also see that girls tend to internalise their symptoms more. And it, it gets into an area where it's hard to... It's hard to study. Like, you can't study something like this. But the the kind of general consensus that I've gotten from all the experts I've spoken to is that probably a lot of what's happening is that society's a lot crueler to little girls mm. who are loud and abrasive and talkative than they are to boys, you know. And so there's a sense that by the time kids even step foot in the classroom for the first time, potentially girls have a much keener awareness of what behaviours are acceptable. And by the way, I'm saying girls, of course, boys also experience this. And of course, this language is nowhere near inclusive enough Mm. when it comes to gender diverse and non-binary people and intersex people. There just isn't the studies, unfortunately, Mm. on, on anyone who's not a cis boy or a cis girl. But girls do tend to mask, which is the process of hiding your disability, basically. So, you know, and like I was saying, like, I couldn't listen in class, so I'd go home and do twice as much study at home. And I, you know, couldn't get everything done at work, so I'd stay back and get stuff finished and then, as a result, would be more tired and then Mm. couldn't do stuff the next day. And that's why we do see a lot of the times girls presenting, their outward presentations are those of anxiety and depression. So, and, and that's not even saying, like, I was diagnosed with anxiety and prescribed anti-anxiety medication. I I don't think that was a misdiagnosis. Sure. You know, ADHD travels with other mental conditions a lot. It's rare rare to just have ADHD. Mm. But I also think that potentially the anxiety did mask the other things that were going on. Um. With your own TikTok, you have a pretty impressive following, 85K, last I checked. Um, How do you approach your own TikTok content on ADHD? And and what would you like to see change about the way ADHD is discussed on social media? Mm, It's interesting because I I also do TikToks for work with The Guardian. So I think my personal account tends to be a little bit um, more unhinged than it would be (laughs) if it was my main one. Um, I... I think there does need to be the nuance injected back into things. And and we do need to take the time to spend the extra 10 seconds explaining that it's not the, you know, the frequency, you know, that doing the disclaimers and, and giving the proper information. And if you're going to talk about rejection sensitivity, to maybe just throw up a slide that mentions the fact that, like, this isn't something, this isn't like an official word. I do think we need that extra nuance. I also don't want to be totally gatekeeping and being like only medical professionals should be able to talk about it or only people who have dedicated 14 months of their life to researching this condition for a book, you know, because some of the really impactful things and the things that changed my life was hearing other women just talk about their own experience. And so you sort of touched on it, but what's been the impact of getting that diagnosis? How has your life changed since then? A huge amount and also less than I'd expect in a way. Um, I kind of thought that the diagnosis would mean that, like, I wouldn't have ADHD anymore or when Mm. I would take my medication I would become neurotypical for the eight hours it was in my system or whatever. And that's not 
what happens. Um, the main thing that's changed genuinely is my ability to be less hard on myself. Mm. Like there isn't, you know, becoming neurotypical as the end goal. Mm. Like there's good weeks and there's bad weeks and there's a lot of tactics and life hacks I can do to make my life easier and I can remember to have a high-protein breakfast and I can remember that if I'm feeling bad, I probably need to go for a walk yeah. and I know that I can't get away with six hours sleep. I have to get, you know, seven and a half minimum. And so there's there's definitely things I can do that I now know I need to do to make my life better, but there's also this ability to just kind of take things as they come a bit more and and that's honestly been the biggest thing to change which like I think a lot of people are hoping that the answer is like and a huge amount of productivity and (laughs) all of this and the answer is no like I don't know I love myself more (laughs) oh that's lovely Mm. That is Matilda Bosley, social media reporter and presenter at The Guardian Australia and author of the book, The Year I Met My Brain, a travel companion for adults who just found out they have ADHD. You also heard from Dr. David Coghill, professor of child and youth mental health at the University of Melbourne and the president of the Australian ADHD Professionals Association. And we didn't mention it in this episode, but in about a week's time, a report is due from a Senate inquiry that's been looking into the barriers people with ADHD face when it comes to consistent, timely and best practice assessments, as well as the barriers to support services. That inquiry spent seven months collating hundreds of submissions, including from people like Matilda and Dr. Coghill, and that report is due to be published November 6th. So this is a topic we will definitely be returning to. In the meantime, that's it for All in the Mind this week. Thanks to producers Rose Kerr and Fiona Pepper and sound engineer Nathan Turnbull. I'm Sana Kadar. Thank you for listening. I'll catch you next time. If you're into All in the Mind, I've got a story for you that delves into what happens when everything is stripped away. How do you survive the unsurvivable. We all come to the conclusion that we've got to save ourselves. Nobody's going to come to get us. I'm Pia Wursu, the host of From the Dead, season two of ABC's Expanse podcast. After a ship called the Blythe Star sank without a trace 50 years ago, 10 crewmen were thrown into the most extreme fight for survival and pushed beyond endurance. My heart was racing and it was unbelievable. It was like a movie. From the dead. Check it out and subscribe on the ABC Listen app.